everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's Relearn episode. We're really excited to talk to you about gender equity in the home. And we brought a really special guest, Dr. Danielle Kasuv, <laughs> on the show with us today. Uh, Danielle is a psychologist in private practice uh, based in the Bay Area, where I also live. And I was really intrigued by you, Danielle, when I was talking to my friend about gender equity in the home and the arguments that could happen in the home when there we feel like there is not there's a lack of gender equity. Um, and you, and she said that you told her that we're the first generation of women that are fighting for not only an equity in the workplace but also in the home. So really excited to talk about this topic with you and welcome welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, Kelly. I think it's such an important conversation that we're having. Awesome. And today we're just really going to focus on uh, gender equity in a home because it's not something I think I commonly read about. And I think I have I have personal ties. I grew up in a very traditional household with traditional gender roles. And I, I and I'm beyond that, I've just seen women of like my mom's generation who didn't have a lot of decision making power in the workplace. And it just I, I think there's a lot of issues that could come of it. And there are things I'm learning um, that I should not take away and I'm trying to reshape. And I think that's what the podcast is about, right? Like our, our mindset and how about gender roles and how we could build more equity with our partners. I think it's definitely very important. Um, so today we're gonna talk to you about effective conversations on how we could do that, how we can reduce, uh, of course, long-term resentment arguments. And I think at this time where women are experiencing a lot of burnout from double duty, of course, through to the pandemic and just ongoing disruptions, I think have, learning how to have better strategies is going to help us reduce that burnout and hopefully have move, retain more women in the workforce. So gender equity in the home could also lead to happiness in the workplace. Um, so just really excited to dive in with you today. Um, I like to start with some context. Um, I think we talked about on our prep calls, this evolution of gender equity in the home, right? What does that look like? And talk to us about this notion of how we're the first generation of women that are fighting for equity in the home and, and in the workplace. I think, you know, what I like to, to remind people about is that this what you're feeling in your home, what you're feeling in your home life is likely bigger than yourself, right? That mm -hmm. we often feel like, oh, my partner is not supporting me or I feel like I'm carrying the burden in the household. And there's this old feminist slogan of like the personal is political. And I think it's so mm -hmm. relevant here that like what you may be feeling isn't just about you and your partner. It's not just about your partner's, um, you know, uh, refusal to take up parts of the mental load. It's about this bigger societal shift, right? Just a mm -hmm. generation ago, it wasn't so common for both members of a couple to be in the workforce working wow. full time, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just a generation ago, there was, you know, being a homemaker was a full-time job, right? And it was something that was valued. It was something that there was occupational training for, right. you know, like this, this was a full-time job. And now the job has, you know, we've moved on, but the job hasn't been filled, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what you see is that we're trying to just pick up the slack any way we can. And what I find is that it usually falls on the most competent or capable partner mm -hmm. 
to pick up the slack, right? But it's not spoken about. And it's sort of like an invisible type of labor. And there's really no rule book for how to, to divide this labor, right? Even if we think about 50-50, right. delegating tasks, I think it's, um, that doesn't really capture the whole picture of what it is to manage a household. No. You know, my mom was in Future Homemakers of America when she was in college. Like, this is a very recent shift. And I think what we're feeling personally is a, you know, is, is some growing pains. I agree. And I, I think you, you, you hit it on a nail that there isn't a framework, right? Like I can't go to my mother and really ask her, Hey, how could I champion equity in a home when she's like, society wanted me to take on the housework. It was, she thought of it as her duty. So so maybe give us some strategies on how to have this framework then if it's unknown, if it's unwritten. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had all the answers. I think we're all still figuring it out, but certainly, um, you know, I think just defining and understanding the problem is a big step forward, right? Mm. So recognizing the, the concept of the mental load, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, there's a comic uh, by Emma. I'm not sure if her last name, her name on the book is just Emma, but there's a feminist comic called The Mental Load. Oh. And it's so beautifully, have you seen, I'm not sure if you've seen it. I haven't, but I definitely want to check it out and maybe we could share with our listeners. Absolutely. You know, I think when I saw that years ago, it was sort of like a, you know, just sort of a, a light bulb went off. Like, oh my gosh, what I've been feeling personally is there's a name for it and it's, you know, it's a known thing, right? And so I felt like that was so helpful to just have a definition for what this is. But essentially in the comic, you know, the, the woman of the household is cleaning up the table. She has this task and she begins picking things up. She notices that there's a towel laying there. So she goes to put it in the laundry basket. And when she gets mm -hmm. there, she sees that the laundry basket is full. So what does she do? She goes right to the washer, mm -hmm. throws in the laundry. Uh, when she's there throwing in the laundry, she sees like some vegetables that need to be put away from the-, oh, the It doesn't end. It doesn't end. And, and I can like so relate to this, right? Like, yes, me too. Like, I feel like, um, you know, my mind is just like running calculations all day yes. long. And this is exactly what the mental load is, right? Mm. And so, you know, she goes to the fridge and puts away the- the um, vegetables and she notices that we're out of mustard, right? And if we don't have mustard, then I can't make that recipe I was planning. So oh. she puts that on the shopping list, right? Mm -hmm. So I think this is such a beautiful illustration of what the mental load is. Cause it, you know, it doesn't matter if the tasks are divided 50, 50, if I'm the one that's sort of the manager of the household, I'm holding everything mm -hmm. in the household. It, it's just a lot of emotional and mental stress right that and, and I think even 50 50 is subjective right like how can we can we ever get to 50 50 in the home yeah I to mean me, I, I, I don't I don't know I'm curious to get your thoughts and what you're hearing from your clients I think it's hard you know to to really define what is domestic equity right because mm -hmm. a lot of it is subjective a lot of it is felt right yeah we both may feel that we're doing more than 50% of the labor, right? Yeah. But that, that can't be true in reality. And so 
I think really being able to express the underlying emotions um, mm. that you are feeling, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're in a relationship where you your partner really cares about you and wants you to be well, then they need to know, right? That I'm carrying this really heavy load and it's causing me stress. It's causing mm -hmm. me anxiety. And it's, it's starting to cause resentment. Right. And so for me, I get uncomfortable, I think even expressing these um, challenges sometimes, because I, I think I go back to, and it's not, it's not my family's fault. Like it's just what they were deemed to know was the expectation of society at a time. Like, again, I can't go to my mom and be like, how do I have these conversations? What conversations did you have with your dad? Because she just didn't, she just took it on just like that mental load and calculations in her head, just keep going. And then there was never time for her to decompress. So like, for those of us that have um, the are com uncomfortable sharing this mental load and even communicating, what are some tips you have for us? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing is to really begin to, to value domestic labor, right? That it's not something we value. It's not something we mm. think too much about, you know, and it's so, so important, right? So I think, you know, recognizing that this is important and that, you know, your feelings matter, right? That I know it's hard to have these difficult conversations, but it's important to do it, right? And so I think just realizing that this is important to address and that there are ways to address it and to live a more harmonious life where you feel supported and where you feel that there's more equity in the home. And if I start bringing it up to my partner and my partner feels very differently or doesn't want to have those conversations, what are some, con what are some like concrete steps we could take? Like, should we not if they're not ready to have a conversation, should we just put a hold on it, revisit another time? Or, you know, curious to hear strategies that could be effective. So I think, you know, in general, in the moment may not be the best time to address this, right? So, and, mm. and unfortunately, that's the time where we feel the most uh, emboldened to address yeah. it, right? right? If we're feeling frustrated, we go right um, to make an omelet and there's one egg left in the container. Like, we're frustrated, we're sick of holding this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we may say something like, you know, hey, could you please, you know, and we yeah. may say it with some snippiness because right. we're frustrated. Right. Um, so I think, you know, in, in this regard, it may be easiest to have this conversation at a non, uh, you know, a non-contentious time, right? To talk about this bigger picture, the way you might sit with your partner and talk about your larger goals and values or your hopes for the future. Um, or you might decompress about work together, right? It's, it can be one of those conversations that's more neutral, right? And it's, it's about your shared experience in the home, right? And so you both, you know, you both deserve to be included in this conversation. And I think that's a good way in to talk about, you know, what you each need, what makes a house a home, mm -hmm. what feels important, right? And if you're finding that your partner isn't, you know, super interested in having this discussion, I think it's really fair to be upfront and honest, right? And, you know, what I recommend is to speak from an I feel kind of place. So I feel overwhelmed. I feel anxious. I mm -hmm. feel resentful. 
Mm. You know, and then comment on the behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes I think, you know, we start to get into this all or nothing, always or never. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my partner is lazy. My partner is not going to do it. He's going to drop the ball. And I, you know, it's good to give your partner the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. and to give them all of the information that they need to be able to make you happy right so it's mm-hmm. you know being honest and open with your partner may feel hard sometimes yeah. have these conversations but in a way it's a, a form of gift that you're giving them because you're telling them exactly how you're feeling you're telling them exactly what you need and you're giving them the opportunity to to meet those needs right so it sounds like start with i feel statements and and try not to assume they won't do something because I think you're right. Like if I don't express how I feel, how would they know? Even though we, we think about like my partners knows everything, how I feel at the moment, or we, we just can't make those assumptions. Right. Right. I mean, I wish mind reading was a, a thing. Uh, <laughs> it would be super helpful, but you know, I think we, what feels so true to us, like may not even be, you know, it may be a blip on our partner's radar. So I think it's important to really recognize that this is an important thing to talk about and that it's, it is important to us. So therefore it should be important to our partners. Mm-hmm. Agree. Agree. And I th- that's a really good tip is because I think I fall into this, like when I'm stressed, I, I, I expect my partners to know that, but if I don't communicate it, they may not know that. Right. Cause they have, they are bearing their own stress as well. Right. Um, so I think it's definitely important to have like, this sense of empathy and reduced assumption we have for each other. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's often a lot of misperception, right? So if you're feeling edgy because you had a rough day at work and then you're a little bit snippy with your partner, they may then kind of shy away and say like, oh, she's mad at me. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to see me. I'm going to go away. Right. Mm-hmm. Which actually could be not about them at all, right? And then actually coming together would be helpful so that you could have support. Right. And do you have any um, advice on how to, once you have the conversations, how do you divide up the tasks? Like, you know, just just showcasing, oh, I'm stressed about this, like is not enough. I think it's a first step having the communication, but how do you actually make meaningful changes that's going to improve both of your mental load and lifestyle moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think really like defining the problem, getting buy-in, you know, being open and honest is the first step. And then how, yeah, how do you begin to shift things in the dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when they've been entrenched probably for a very long time. And even we can talk about like generational um, transmission of these kind of gender uh, divides, but I think what I recommend and what I see is that the people who are most successful at divvying up these domestic um, loads, these domestic burdens are organized. They externalize, and I'll talk a bit more about what what each of these things mean, but Mm -hmm. they externalize, they delegate, um, and they automate and outsource as much as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I think about um, is just sort of organizing. So sitting together and and really like coming up with the different uh, tasks in the household, 
what is involved in in that task so like doing laundry isn't just about doing laundry it's you know do i have all of the detergent right mm -hmm. i um have time to move it from the washer to the dryer like right. really being able to own every single step um so instead of like dividing tasks i think about dividing into spheres right mm. domains i am in charge of everything food I am the CEO of laundry. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the social, you know, chair. Uh, yeah. So like, I think, you know, really dividing it up into spheres versus tasks will help to offload some of that mental burden, right? Because in order to achieve something from conception to execution, um, you have to, you have to do a lot of planning, anticipation, yes. thinking, right? And so that's what we want to shift. Um, we want to share with our partner. So like organizing is one thing. And then I, I think um, externalizing, right? So you do not want to be the micromanager. You do not want to follow the supervisor role. Right. You do not want to hold your partner accountable um, or be the one, you know, the, me the messenger gets shot, right? A lot. Yes. So you don't want to be the messenger. Yes. So I always recommend like externalizing the communication. So instead of me catching you in the hallway when you're, you know, in a bad mood or you're on your way somewhere and like asking you to do something, I'm going to put it into a system, right? Mm -hmm. So there are various like project management systems you might have used at work. Yeah. Um, Asana, I've heard yes. of one that's made for the household. I haven't yet tried it, but it's called Ooh. Grow Maple. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Um, so these things do exist, right? And it's a way to sort of you know, divide and and conquer and attack these things. And also like, you know, that time sensitive things could be held, right? Not mm -hmm. by one partner's mind, but held in the system, mm -hmm. the calendar, that there are reminders that are not directly coming from your partner, but rather from this external system, you know, and whether that's one of these apps or the the software or it's like a, a google spreadsheet or some right. other kind of system i think that it's so so important not to you know don't tell me to put something on the grocery list don't tell me that we're out of eggs put it on the google keep add it to the the list right just mm -hmm. minimizing the amount of interactions that we need to have about household stuff i think can really help preserve the relationship Mm, that's really good. And it minimizes that micromanager role that can create contention, right? Exactly, right? And like that way, you know, you're kind of preserving the sanctity of your relationship by, you know, having interactions that are more neutral, that are more positive, and that mm. aren't sort of like, a, you know, like a business type of dynamic. Right, right. And then automate, you said, is also an important strategy as well right if possible yes so you know it takes you know and many of us are kind of just struggling right with the pandemic especially we're we're working from home a lot of us we're trying to manage working full-time raising kids whatever yeah. so it's hard to actually take the time and carve out um time to really like zoom out and look at the big picture and set up these structures but i think it is really important and so instead of having to reinvent the wheel every single week, it's like, can we have these bigger systems in place, right? Where um, I, we have a shared calendar and that automatically communicates things to you that 
need to be communicated, right? Mm-hmm. It's automated or, you know, doing the vegetable boxes that come. So doing yes. things that, you know, kind of just are automated, they're off, off of your plate, you can kind of set it and forget it. And that I think can help reduce the mental burden. Yeah. And, and thanks to technology, there are so many ways to automate tasks, right? We were talking about getting our coffee and having a ship to us. And it's certainly a, a privilege to be able to do that. But if we are able to, I think I, it's, it's a big help, especially when you're raising children. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, I really strongly recommend that if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed now, or you're feeling like you and your partner need to get closer to a state of equity, I, I would say to tackle that before having a child, because when you add a child to the mix, the, the load just expands exponentially. Um, I have a two-year-old, so I can, <laughs> I can kind of relate to, to that. But yeah, I think it's really an important conversation to have, and it can be framed in terms of these bigger, you know, decisions with your partner. Like, are we going to have children? What do we want our life to look like? Yeah. Really setting yourselves up for success. Right. So it's, it's, it's important. It seems like, especially before these big life moments, it's definitely important to have these conversations, sit down when you're not overwhelmed, stressed and laying this framework. And what if, um, they, what if it's a, a couple that's been in a relationship for a while, they're not going through these life phases, but still encounter these issues day by day. I think it's still encouraged, right? Absolutely. So there's no bad time. I mean, aside from like in the heat of the moment or that right. hot, uh, type situation, but there's really no bad time to have these conversations, right? These are the bigger picture, you know, zooming out from our day-to-day life type of conversations. What kind of home do we want to have? What kind of life do we want to live? Mm-hmm. And I think we'll be surprised that a lot of people don't have these conversations. I was just looking at a research and it said that according to a Yelp survey, 80% of people living with a partner have disagreements about housework. So it's, it's, it's definitely um, happens quite frequently. I'm not surprised by that statistic at all. I think it's such a hard thing to talk about. There's no, yeah, there's no rule book. No one is training us to be successful in the domestic sphere and the way that we're getting, you know, career training from an early age, we're preparing for you know, our educational, right. our professional careers, but there's not a lot of talk about domestic well-being, right? What not at all. Like. Yeah. Yep. That's why I think this is such an interesting episode to, to talk about. Um, there's a lot of things schools don't teach us. <laughs> and it, there's also a sense of women like have do it all. And the truth is we can do it all. <laughs> Right. Do it all. And I think that's the final, you know, thing that I want to leave people with is that it's it's good to embrace imperfection, right? For the sake of your own mental health, for the sake mm-hmm. of your partnership. Hundred percent. You know, like we can sometimes get really stuck in principle, right? And that in principle, my partner should have done that, or in principle, you know, this isn't fair, this isn't just. And I think, you know, we need to be humble, we need to acknowledge that none of us have the answers and that this is hard for everybody. And so mm-hmm. we can kind of give ourselves grace and give our partners grace. I love that. 
And these are amazing final words and I'm learning so much already from you, but this is a question we like to ask every guest before we wrap up uh, the episode is that, you know, we want to help diverse individuals um, combat imposter syndrome and really learn new learn new tips that can help us be more confident and practice positive psychology, right? That's who, what our podcast is about. So we'd love to learn from you. What's your take on how do we get to the I can't do it attitude to, and move away from the I'm not good enough or I'm going to fail mindset? Absolutely. I work a lot with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a painful and pervasive phenomenon. And one of the things that I always recommend is, you know, so our brains, we have this sort of negativity bias. We tend to focus on the things that aren't going well. And it's, you know, in a way it's a survival adaptation, right? Mm -hmm. We want to make sure we don't get kicked out of our tribe. We want to make sure that, you know, we don't get rejected or experience pain. Right. So, you know, it's adaptive, but in many ways it's not always accurate. And we tend Mm -hmm. to overestimate, you know, the negative things and Mm -hmm. underestimate the positive things. So I, there's an intervention that I like to recommend and I think it's a a fun one. So, okay. I think it's really important to keep a success log, right? So a, a log where you track all of your wins, big or small, you chronicle your successes because when the pendulum of imposter syndrome swings to the, I'm a failure, Mm -hmm. Uh, position it's really hard to get out of that right and we tend to sort of see all or nothing right Right. and so having something that's tangible where you can go to it you can look um you know remind yourself of all of the wins you've had all of the positive successes you've experienced it it can help you to sort of shift your self-image in those moments Mm. So I think it's good to just savor, right? If we're thinking about positive psychology, so much of life is hard and we have to actively try to, you know, experience positive moments. So savoring it, like there's no shame. Like we tend to, you know, kind of shrug off our compliments, but I think it's important to own those moments and savor them. What I do at work is I have this folder called warm fuzzies and whenever um, someone, you know, I get a recognition or I do a good work and it's recognized by someone, I put it in there because there are days when I need it. There are days when I need to like recharge and because I feel like I'm not doing a good job and I, and I look to those to get me inspiration. My, one of my best friends also gave me this, you know, you, you can do, you got this. I love that. Really positive quotes to help me get through it. But I think you're right. Like having logging these things, it could be as simple as a journal that you carry and just write those moments. Um, I know a lot of people use like gratitude journals and like could be a positivity journal. Yeah. And you can even, you know, like you mentioned, Kelly, and I'm sure you're doing a great job, even though your mind tells you you're not. Um, I think, you know, you can even enlist a friend who really understands this dynamic and you can be sort of your positivity partners, right? Mm -hmm. Where you share your successes and they help you to sort of revel in them rather than shrugging them off and moving on to the next thing, right? So some accountability there. Yes. Positivity. And you can always return the favor to this cheerleader buddy of yours. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, this has been so enlightening. Thank you so much, Danielle, for sharing all these wonderful tips and strategies to help us navigate and really build equity in the home. Um, I'm excited. I think even being the first generation, I at least we're paving a more a, a more equitable path forward. So I, I think it's going in the right direction. But having this framework and having some of these written and having a structure, I do think would be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, if we, we take care of this now, if we address this now in our own households, like we can, you know, pass on these messages to the next generation, right? And hopefully they, exactly. won't, they won't be feeling as much of the, the growing pains as we're feeling. Yes. They won't be the first generation. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for, be, for being here today. We really appreciate your time. 